steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! the unbelievable podcast i am bj Rydell, back here with my guy drew maholt and today we've got a pretty solid show ahead of us here we got to get a quick recap in from the pittsburgh steelers game um obviously we didn't talk to you guys earlier this week i had a couple things going on i was on vacation so we missed that uh, so we'll do a quick touch on that and then uh, go right into the chicago bears so of course the minnesota vikings are playing the bears at soldier field our favorite place to play is if you've been listening to the show for some time now um uh, and it should be an interesting matchup, especially with the number of players across the league. Well, I should say another a number of teams across the league uh, facing COVID issues. And the Vikings and Bears are uh, fall into that category, to say the least. So we'll touch on all that stuff. And then we will round out with our picks for the week. So that's the game plan for today. Um, let's hop right into it. So we are about six days removed now uh, from that Pittsburgh Steelers matchup on Thursday night football. Your Minnesota Vikings jumped out to a 29-0 lead ultimately get the W by a final score of, what was it, 36 to 28 was the final. Um, So looked really, really good in the first half. Kind of a lot of the people saying, how is this team, how did this team lose to the Lions? And then you immediately got that answer in the second half. Yes. Um, Ultimately, it's a microcosm of the season. I mean, that's that's exactly what it was, because I think I've seen a lot of the, the jokes this week about how the Vikings now have, a win against the team with the best record of the NFL, Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also, by the way, <clears throat> a field goal from having a win against the team with the tied for the best record in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also obviously have the loss against the worst record in the NFL. And so it is, and that's the perfect you know summary of this team. And then this, the Steelers game itself was as well, where that first half, they could have beaten any team in the league. I think that's the quote Mike Zimmer said was first half, they could have beaten anybody. And then uh, second half, they could have, gotten beat by anybody and so i i I think there is something to you know we've been complaining about this over and over all year long about closing out games and keeping the the um you know pedal down and i i think the vikings it's funny i think they actually did this i do too um and it's just kirk made i think it was kirk's worst game of the season uh, and oh, so definitely. It's not an I, think, I mean, thing. That was it, I, mean he, worst I mean the osborne touchdown throw was was awesome yep. the jefferson touchdown throw was awesome but Outside of those two plays, he had a lot of missed throws in this game. Uh, so many. And so I think in a lot, and a couple of those came at pretty bad times there in that second half as the Steelers are coming back. So um, I, I'm not actually taking much away from that second half, as weird as it sounds, um, because I, I like that the Vikings did maintain their aggressiveness for the most part offensively. It seemed like it just seemed like those, those turnovers and those interceptions came at the absolute worst time. So, um, I, I, I like that they, they obviously needed that win. They got it. I liked uh, some of the, the pressure that Zimmer was able to apply to the Steelers there. Yes. Made Big Ben look as old as he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it, it's, a, it's a big win. It's a huge win. It was fun to be there uh, at the game. Um, but, again, I'm not that worried about the second half, which might be a little bit of an interesting take from maybe other fans. The only thing that I'm worried about from the second half is how I felt, right? 
my just the the impending doom yeah yeah right? which well there's that but also like we've been feeling that every single week exactly all year right. so I was it's just like, gonna it's say, like I'm it's used to something it. we're not used to it yeah but the, the the major takeaway for me there is that the Vikings in the first half essentially played their probably their best football of the season collectively speaking right offense was cooking no pun intended defense was playing very 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 good football I think that first 30 minutes of play was probably the best that you've seen this team play defensively in terms of creating pressures in terms of exotic bit blitz yeah. I mean there are, how many times was their guy just completely unblocked that big bet like he got and, waxed you know, multiple times right. by Harrison Smith and Harrison Smith came as a free runner on at least one of those plays so yeah. they were confusing the offensive line with the scheme they were executing their talent and their ability in terms of using these players to the full potential that is the Mike Zimmer mantra, right? Schematically scheme up your best players to do what they do best. And that's exactly what he did for the first 30 minutes. Now I don't I'm with you. I don't necessarily think that the next 30 minutes that he stopped doing that. I think the foot was firmly on the gas pedal. He even told the sideline reporter, Hey, we trying to step on the neck. So like, I'm glad that he's, he's explicitly vocalizing that yeah. they're there. They know what the problem is. They've heard us, right. They're yeah. doing what they can. And save for the fact that I think it's not just Kirk Cousins, but also Justin Jefferson had the worst games of their seasons, period. Justin Jefferson had, okay, this is going to piss some people off, but it is what it is. He didn't catch multiple balls that he, quote, should have had. And his standard is up here, right? So his standard for what a catchable ball is, is considerably different than what it is for Dan Chazina. It's just, <laughs> it's the fact that Justin Jefferson is Justin Jefferson. He's arguably a top three wide receiver in the NFL right now. He is objectively the second leader in the NFL in pat and receiving yards next to Cooper Cup, who's going to break all kinds of records at his current pace. So Justin Jefferson is playing about as well as anyone. So I'm going to hold him on the pedestal of saying, all right, that first deep ball at the very beginning of the game when it went, yeah. Kirk actually threaded it through two defenders that was a great perfectly. Ball. It was. That's a ball that the average receiver, you kind of look it off and you're like, ah, all right, you know what? Donovan Peoples-Jones, that's cool, man. You drop that one. We don't expect that from you. <laughs> Justin Jefferson, on the other hand, I expect you to make those catches because that's just who you are. And I'm sorry that that's like how it is for the superstar caliber players that get a little bit more heat for not playing as well as they potentially could. I mean, you got 15 targets in the game and you came up with seven of them. That's a direct reflection on the two worst players offensively for the Vikings in Kirk Cousins and Justin mm -hmm. Jefferson in this football. Yeah, I think and there was another uh, end zone shot, too, I believe, where he uh, was he a little bit out four far out of his outstretched four. arms there where Kirk kind of led him a little bit too far. But I think Jefferson definitely could have pulled it in. Mm -hmm. There was another one, too, I think, where he actually the ball was a good Je hit Jefferson in the hands. And I think he got hit mm -hmm. and the ball was, was squirted out. Uh, so there's. You're right. I, I, Jefferson did not have his best game, uh, but I, I think it's it is cool to see how the Vikings did. You know, they were aggressively giving him targets throughout the whole game. Absolutely. Obviously, Pittsburgh kind of figured some things out as the game went on, plus the the drops and whatnot. Um, and then, I mean, I did want to point out that Osborne touchdown because that's still at a point in the game where the Vikings. Uh, of the old or what the, you know, the, the Vikings that we have criticized would have continued to try to turn that clock. Um, this is when Pittsburgh had made it a nine point game, I believe. Right. Um, so there, the game is still in the balance a little bit, although you're still, you know, your win percentage at that, at that point is still very high, but you have a chance to kind of put it away there. Um, I would have liked to see the Vikings go for two after that touchdown to make it a 17 point game. But nonetheless, I like that they're staying aggressive. 
still trusting Kirk to hit that deep ball to Osborne, which was a great ball. And that essentially put it away. I mean, obviously there was one play that could have potentially tied it if they had if fire firing with hands on that ball. But um, end of the day, that's the touchdown that kind of sealed it for the Vikings. And so, again, I, I do appreciate that. They ultimately won the game and their win percentage. I saw on the ESPN win probability it never did get below. Um, I believe it was 88%, um, even that entire second half. So uh, in theory, they were comfortably winning the game for most of it. It just right. seemed a lot closer because of the events that have taken place this year. Absolutely. And that's that's the fairest take. There it is, right? I mean, we're just Vikings fans. We sense impending doom, and we think it's yeah. ultimately going to come to fruition because it has so many times in the past, right? Um, but I think what's interesting about it is that we've said this before, right? That if you win, you're able to cover up things that suck about the team, right? And ultimately the Vikings did win this football game, right? Harrison Smith made a great play at the end of the game to, not, to jar that ball loose from Pat Fryermuth. That's a, more of a talking point to me than the fact that they allowed however, une, however many unanswered points to get the Steelers mm -hmm. back into the game because when it mattered most, the Vikings did not choke, which is new, right? Like that's something that at least for this season specifically, Every single time at the end of the second half or at the end of the first half, the Vikings are allowing points there. They didn't do it in either the first half or the second half, and they won the football game. So really, for as shitty as it was to watch the Steelers come all the way back when this team was up 29 rip, the takeaways are largely good. You talk about the scheme, right, what he was doing defensively with the blitz packages, utilizing his players. That's good. You look at the aggressive play, like you pointed out, the putting pressure on the Steelers, stepping on the neck, if you will. That's good. You look at the kind of the style of play, right, in terms of how you want to churn the clock, not just employing Dalvin Cook, but also throwing over the top with K.J. Osborne, taking advantage of that defense playing up, right? When you see eight in the box, mm -hmm. all of a sudden someone's one-on-one. -on -one, you trust your guy, K.J. Osborne, who is – really having a hell of a season given where we thought he was at the beginning of this year, right? Much more than a punt return right. than when he was coming out of Miami. There's a lot of very positive things here that you're just able to kind of dust the negative stuff underneath the rug here because ultimately the Steelers were going to score some points, I think. I don't think any of us believe that they were going to get shut out. So why does it really matter if they have 28 points or zero points if the Vikings win the game, mm -hmm. that's kind of the optimistic level of thinking. I know that that's, you know, an over summation to some degree. Like, yes, there are some things that you need to clean up. And that's why they say that at the end of every single game, but ultimately you get the W you stay in contention. You're currently the eight seed by tiebreaker as a result of the conference record that, that Washington has over you. I believe that's a one game advantage. So you're right in the thick of it. You don't necessarily control your own destiny at this point, but a flip of the coin, you could control mm -hmm. it next week. So you get the win, you get the outcome you want. Dalvin cook stayed healthy on top of all his second right. career 200 yard game. You got the maximum out of him and he basically put willed you to victory despite the fact that your two most important offensive players outside of Dalvin Cook and Jefferson and Kirk Cousins did not play their best football. I think that speaks volumes as well. That if you are able to run the ball, so when Dalvin Cook is really chugging, this team can be as dominant as anyone. Some of those run plays in the first half when they were averaging 11 Point eight yards per carry. I mean, you could have run for, for contact. A, you could have run for ten yards on a few of those that plays. scheme. <laughs> that Steelers suck defensively. That's a number of different things, but ultimately, Clint Kubiak pushed the right buttons and Delvin Cook executed. That's a major takeaway for me. When you're facing a team that's even not doesn't even necessarily need to be the worst run defense in the league, but if this is a bottom half, like you know, sixteen to thirty-two run defense, 
I'm expecting Dalvin Cook to give you that type of yardage, not necessarily to the degree that he had in the first half, but 5.0 yards, 6.0. Mm-hmm. I think that's well in his range right now. He's playing at that level. And he's actually, I believe, third in the NFL in rushing yards right now, which kind of came out of nowhere. After missing how many games, you know, and, and time. Compared yeah, to everyone else. So, right. So I did I did have a couple of next-gen stats that I saw here on, on Twitter. It. Eric Thompson shared these. Um, so he had, for the game, the, the box score numbers, 27 carries, 205 yards. Uh, 58 of those yards, he had 58 rushing yards over expected, which is points out a couple of things. One, Dalvin Cook is really good. Because if you gain 58 yards more than you were expected to in a game, that's a significant number of yards. But on the other flip side, that means he was expected to get 150 yards just based on the blocking uh, that his offensive line put together on the Steelers. So that shows the Vikings were dominant, you know, with the zone blocking scheme against the Steelers. It also shows Dalvin was his dominant self on the ground. And he was expected to get five yards on 15 of his 27 carries which is the most such carries in a game by any player over the last three seasons. So that shows to me that, you know, the, the Vikings offensive line, the, the coaching staff just put together a game plan that uh, truly is one of the best in the last three seasons for a running game. And the Vikings took advantage. Dalvin cook took advantage. Um, that's really cool to see. And you, that's the type of thing you want to see moving forward into these games that mean a lot. And having your best player down cook available running like that is going to be a big help. Absolutely. So ultimately I think, you know, despite the fact that the Vikings nearly choked that one away, I think there are really more positives than negatives to take away from this one. And I think that optimistically speaking, right, you're going to this bears game now, which we can kind of slowly transition mm-hmm. into that conversation as we speak. Uh, but this is a this is a critically important game as a result. It can push you back to 500. But you, it's also a game where, yes, I know the Soldier Field statistics. I've been rattling this off for, what, five years now that the Vikings have only won three games since the Bush administration at Soldier Field. But ultimately, like you expect this team to win this game at Soldier Field, that pushes you to 500, and all of a sudden you're right in it. Like you're very much in the game because you got it done. And also on top of that, you're also playing maybe your best football of the season in terms of doing what you want to do. I don't expect Kirk Cousins to ever be that inaccurate again, right? He was under 50% for it, for the game. I mean, that's not going to happen often. Most of the time, he's going to be between 65 and 75. And if you get that in combination with three-fourths of what Dalvin Cook gave you last week, hell, even a half of what he gave you last week, this is a damn good team, and it's a damn good offense in combination with a defense that looks like it's hitting its best, like it's peaking to the best of its ability. I don't think it's a top 10 defense. It may not even be a top 15 defense, but I think that as these guys get healthy, as they play together, right, you've got all these you know, key players playing at once for arguably, for not, no, not arguably, definitively the first time this season, and they're playing well. They've got juice, they've got fresh legs. I mean, this is prime time Vikings and you've got the schedule to back it up. So really in my mind, while objectively speaking at this current moment, as of this recording on December 15th, you do not control your own destiny. I don't expect Washington to win all of the, all the rest of their games. You're right in it. You're exactly where you want to be. Assuming you can't clinch the North, the North, and that's not going to happen. That's well out of range now, but you can be the first team to get that seven seat. And it starts this week here in Chicago. And we get Mike Zimmer versus a rookie quarterback this week, uh, which is, it's love that a little, which is, it's fun. I do love that narrative because over the years, it's funny because there's been like a 
couple of games that have just been atrocious, right? Um, I think back to like the Josh Allen game um, as one of them where, you know, the narrative certainly doesn't even show up. And then there's others. Think back to Sam Darnold in 2018. Uh, actually, in 2018, there was a few games where it really showed up and the offense had no chance. Um, I look back to uh, the schedule this year. Um, Cooper Rush isn't a rookie, but he first start. And be, yeah. he, they actually kept the Cowboys bottled up for the fact that you know, Dallas had the ball most of the game. And um, really, if the Vikings offense puts up 20 points in that game or 23 points in that game, they win. Um, I, I don't want to say Zimmer excelled in that game or thrived, but I think um, the narrative still stands that rookie quarterbacks in general or young, inexperienced quarterbacks generally have a more difficult time with Mike Zimmer than maybe other coaches. And so I think I'm excited to see what Zimmer schemes up this week. Uh, I think Justin Fields is one of those guys that it's the, and any given play, it's pretty boomer bust. And we've seen that throughout the season. I remember back to that. I think it was a 49ers game. We had a couple of really nice runs. Um, to, you know, kind of break down the defense and, and make plays that other quarterbacks wouldn't make. But I think he's also young enough, raw enough, where he will make mistakes throwing the ball from the pocket. So um, it's going to be key to, number one, keep him in the pocket, I think, because I think that's where he's most uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then making sure uh, when you blitz, I think it's kind of, you know, not getting too aggressive with it, giving him the running lanes to escape and throw. Uh, but I, it, the Bears offense isn't anything outside of fields kind of creating on his own right now. So um, it's going to be, to me, it's the bears wide receiver core is pretty bad. The Vikings cornerback core is pretty bad. So I think if the Vikings can um, win that matchup, I think they should, they should be fine defensively. So there's a lot of conflicting causation correlation narratives in this matchup, right? So first of all, Drew mentioned the, the number, the first one, and I think honestly this one has the most causation out of all of the, the three that I'm going to mention here, and that's the fact that you're facing a rookie quarterback. Mike Zimmer tends to do very well against them. So you got that one rooting in your favor. The next one is you've got the primetime matchup, right? This is going to be played on Monday Night Football. Yep. Of course, the Vikings historically, Kirk Cousins specifically, not great on Monday Night Football. The next one, Soldier Field. My favorite narrative, the one that I've been – I love to talk about this every time because I still think it's hilarious, right? The Vikings just historically doesn't matter if you're good, bad, whatever. Always lose at Soldier Field. So you've got all these competing narratives here. And do any of them really mean anything outside of the rookie thing? Because, yes, that in, that so re- requires the some Soldier field versus- thing. The Soldier Field thing, I think, is starting to become uh, – One what's last year, 17. No, they won last year at Soldier last Field. Last year, outside of last year, before that it was 2017. So, I mean, if you look at it, they've won two of the last four at Soldier Field. They won three of the last six, um, including the Teddy year, 2015 year. Mm-hmm. So they won 2015, 2017, 2020. Um, but to your point, the games they played in 2016 and 2018 and 2019, those three, I believe, were all primetime games or national TV games. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were really bad in all of those. It's funny that they always play on national TV at Soldier Field. I think they always do. 2016, they did. 2017 was Monday night. 2018 was Sunday night. 2019 was a CBS afternoon game with Nance and Romo on the call. And then last year was Monday night. memory you got there. So uh, that 2019 game was Chase Daniel, by the way, beating the Vikings. Um, but uh, there is something to the Vikings just not playing that well. Because even last year was a really ugly game uh, that they were able to come away with. So um, there is something to it. I don't know what it is, um, but I, I'm i not as concerned with that. Um, 
as I, I, I to your point, I think the, the rookie quarterback narrative holds more weight than the soldier field trend. How about the mobile quarterback narrative as well? I'm going to throw that one in there. Kind of meshes with the rookie quarterback narrative, but that mm-hmm. one seems to have a little bit more causation because you can objectively, you know, do. Yeah, something no, I, I, I definitely back to the Vikings as well. I'm definitely scared of that. Like, especially if there's a late game scenario yes. um, where, you know, the Vikings have to it. get a stop fields is able to break away and make that run for the first down. And so I do think I would imagine Zimmer will kind of try to assign a spy very often in those third down scenarios uh, to fields, because ultimately I think that's what you're more scared of is, mm-hmm. is fields making a play with his feet. And that could mean escaping and throwing, um, but at least having somebody there to make fields think about it just a little bit more. Um, if he rolls out to his left roll, throws out to his right, and he sees a spy matching him step for step, that in theory should make you as a quarterback think a little bit more uh, and, and, you know, have that extra second for maybe the DBs to catch up. So I, that's kind of what I would I would try and do, because, again, these wide receivers, you know, Jakeem Grant had a couple of big explosive plays last week with the ball in his hands. He's great. Um, Allen Robinson, I, I, I think he's a stud, but he just doesn't where hasn't worked out this year. Um, it's not his and, fault. I'm not. I'm not. A right. And so and ultimately it's Meg Zimmer versus Matt Nagy. Nagy has weirdly had his number over the last few years, but I think Zimmer is much better at his craft than Nagy is at his. And so uh, I like the Vikings on that side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned Allen Robinson, right? You always have to keep an eye on him, but they haven't been able to scheme him open. Um, they haven't been able to, they haven't featured him in this offense. So basically he's basically averaging less than five targets throughout this entire season. So kind of embarrassing for Matt Nagy to pay for the bears organization to pay this guy all this money and then just essentially not use him. Like he's gone next year. That's definitive, right? He's gone. Um, I don't think Justin Fields is necessarily ready for a superstar caliber receiver either, because I don't think he's consistent enough as a thrower yet. I'm not saying that he can't get there. I know that there's Ohio state people probably listening to this that are like, ah, he's a great thrower or whatever. He hasn't consistently done it at the NFL level yet. I don't expect him to start doing it next week. So I think that, there's still some development there. There's some things that you can take advantage of. The one thing that does concern me about the Bears on the offensive side of the football is David Montgomery. And the number one reason why I'm concerned about that is not related to, to David Montgomery at all. It's just been the inconsistency of this team's run defense. Just throughout this season, teams that want to run the ball and try to run the ball generally do. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter if it's you know Najee Harris getting – solid yardage scoring a pair of touchdowns one on the receiving end last week with the Steelers and he kind of goes completely unnoticed and there's also the games where it's a little bit more noticeable and it really really kills you like the Browns game for Mm -hmm. example things like that so there's a lot of things going on here but ultimately I think this comes down to can you stop Justin Fields can you keep him looking like a rookie for one more week I think that at some point he's going to explode I'm very confident that if he's able to stay healthy throughout his entire career, the seizure thing, of course, I've talked about this before, that concerns me. That's neither here nor there. But, you know, if you're able to keep him looking like a rookie for a couple more games, right, Um, specifically when you're playing him this week, then you should win this matchup pretty confidently, right? Um, Defensively speaking now for the Bears. Now, this has been a position – this has been an issue for the Vikings in the past – Historically, the Bears have played very good defense against the Vikings. Akeem Hicks has wrecked everyone. Mm-hmm. I believe he's going to be out 
of this week. Again, I know that he's at least on the injury report. I don't know about the final status at this point in time. You've also got Eddie Goldman, who big hulking nose tackle. We liked him coming out as a rookie. He's been very, very good and specifically has crushed the Vikings throughout his career. He is on the COVID list. I don't know his vaccination status, but it seems like he may not end up playing as well. In addition to that, you're starting cornerback opposite Jalen Johnson. Artie Burns, who's been a bit of a bust to date. I know he's drafted by the Steelers. He's now on the Bears. That kind of says as much as you need to. But that's your starter opposite your number one. He's on the COVID list as well. I don't think he's going to play either. So the Bears are decimated defensively. The number one guy that I'm afraid of here on this defense would be Jalen Johnson as a result. The way that he played against Devontae Adams on the outside specifically last week makes me a little bit nervous about how Justin Jefferson can be used. But the Packers also handed you the blueprint, right? If you look at the statistics, Jalen Johnson was able to cover Devontae Adams very, very effectively. I believe he had three targets go his way. I don't think any of those were caught on the outside. Second half, Matt LeBlanc goes ahead, throws Devontae Adams into the slot position of the field, something that Justin Jefferson was pinned to be only exclusively a slot receiver. Put him on the inside. All of a sudden, Devontae Adams is well over 100 yards. You don't even know what happened in the first half. So... You've got the blueprint. You know how to beat it. It's just can you execute? I don't mm-hmm. think the Bears are good enough defensively right now across the board. Rolcron Smith Smith is really nice. You know, t- you know. No, they're they're struggling defensively. They're these are not the individuals Bears. as opposed to a collective unit right now, and that kind of is a good summation of what the Bears are. They've got some great individual talent, but their head coach sucks. I don't think they call things effectively they're not progressive in their play calling or their kind of their style of i mean play. It's, it's an average defense um yeah. it's and that's not what we're used to from chicago but i think you're right about i i, I just want to see just jefferson versus jalen johnson last year jefferson had a couple of big games against the bears um I, I would expect nothing less again and then also i don't believe Phelan has been ruled out of this game i don't imagine he'll play but um, no questionable tech being being a high ankle sprain. I mean, that's usually a couple of weeks at least. But um, if, uh, if 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 he's on the field, that that only helps even more. But I think I, I still think you keep going to Jefferson. I, I would imagine after the Thursday night game, uh, he'll only bounce back as will Kirk. Uh, so I keep going after him. Uh, it doesn't matter who's who's defending him. If it's one on one, I think you keep going to Jefferson. Uh, and then if it becomes an issue, which I don't imagine it would. But if it does then I think BJ's idea of moving into the slot potentially uh, would be, you know, a great benefit. So uh, plus, I mean, you look at the way they just ran the ball, like that could be your, your priority. Number one to run the ball a little bit, Dalvin cook, take your shots down there with Justin Jefferson. And uh, I think you're set. One last point here, and this is kind of bears game adjacent, but it is relative. It is important for this matchup because I think this matchup will say a lot about the question I'm about to pose to you here. And that's that Adam Thielen has been out for a couple of weeks now. We've seen what Justin Jefferson is able to do as a, quote, true number one, meaning that the guy opposite him does not inspire any fear. I'm not saying they shouldn't be more fearful of KJ Osborne with the way he played, but the way that defenses line up against you, they do not fear KJ Osborne. They put all of their resources into stopping Justin Jefferson. The question then becomes, because of his production, and I know it lacked a little bit last game, but when you're getting, what, seven for 73 and a touchdown, and that's, quote, a bad game, you're pretty damn good, right? So my question is this. Adam Thielen is 31 years old. He has been injury-prone-ish over the last three seasons. 
Uh, I know he's still very productive. This is not a question about whether or not Adam Thielen is still good. The question is, is Adam Thielen becoming expendable for the Minnesota Vikings? That's, uh, I mean, I think. I know his value in the community. I know his value to this team in the locker room. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about lining I mean, up. Yeah, I think I think so. I think the I think the other issue is that there are a lot more there are other contracts on this roster that are more expendable. Like I think Thielen's Thielen's up there, but I think if you're gonna start defining which contracts are the most expendable on this team, I, I don't think you start that that conversation with Adam Thielen. I think there's a few more, um, you know, specifically, obviously Kirk is kind of the big one, but then Harrison Smith's new one uh, is pretty large uh, for a guy who's, he's playing very well this year. Don't get me wrong. One of the top safeties, uh, obviously PFF has always loved him, but that's a lot of money for a safety. And that's a lot of years left on that after the extension, um, Dalvin cook and in, you know, the running back position in general, I'm still against that. So, um, I think there's other you know, places to start there. Um, but with that said, in a vacuum, I think, yeah, that's one you look at. And and if you were trying to do a complete overhaul, which might be what the Vikings end up doing, I think that's one you at least re- try to retool or maybe you try to get rid of altogether. This really is not a knock on Adam Thielen's level of talent or current playing ability. This is literally just a, this is a result of seeing Justin Jefferson without him on the outside, mm-hmm. as well as the rise of KJ Osborne. Let's just be real here. Justin Jefferson's what, 21 years old? KJ Osborne, 23, 24, somewhere in there. I don't have the numbers. I don't have his age in front of me. Adam Thielen is kind of becoming slowly the odd man out, despite the fact that he's got over 600, almost 650 yards and 10 touchdowns to date. That's not, this is not a knock on his skill. It's just offensively speaking, do you need him to operate to your best of your ability? And I think that now more than ever, that is the case for this Minnesota Vikings offense. You have proven that you can be a team that scores 30-plus points against solid defenses, mm-hmm. bad defenses for sure, um, without Adam Thielen on the field, which is something to keep, you know, to kind of keep in mind. And the reason why I'm bringing it up this week as opposed to before is because I think you get a real kind of look, like a true glance at what the world looks like without Adam Thielen this week in that matchup between Justin Jefferson and Jalen Johnson, right? It's a true number one corner versus a true number one wide receiver or a quote, you know, a receiver that we believe is a number one. And you're going to get that true one-on-one matchup. KJ Osborne's going to get solo coverage the entire night. I expect Jefferson get to get bracketed over the top. They play some sort of soft coverage and then make sure that he's not beating him deep. They've, they're going to be focused on Jefferson and it's going to be all about still trying to get him the ball, still trying to get him his touches and still trying to score through Justin Jefferson, despite the fact that you've got one mm-hmm. of, you know, I don't want to say one of the best corners in the league, but definitely a guy that is in the consideration for being top 10, top 15 and is ascending in this league. in yeah. So mm-hmm. that's why I bring that up. It's not a knock on Adam Thielen, but it is a kind of an interesting proposition that we, that the, the, we are going to have to face at some point. And at 31 years old, that conversation may be coming sooner than many of us would like. So mm-hmm. something to consider. All right. Anything else that we missed on the Bears or do you want to get into game predictions? For this yeah, game? I think we get into picks here. Um, and I, I guess I'll just I'll just start it off. Um, I think the Vikings are a better team than the Bears. And I think they win this game. And I think we're seeing. Uh, but the Vikings, it seems like especially you're seeing um, the, the road kind of um, home field advantage thing, not as, um, exa- like not as prominent. Um, even you know, like last year, the Vikings went in the soldier field and won. Um, 
I think I think they win this game. I think they're the better team. I don't think the Bears. I think the scoreboard lied to you a little bit about the Packers game Monday or uh, Sunday night. Mm-hmm. I think they had kind of a couple of fluke plays that went for long touchdowns. That kind of, um, you know, they had a punt return. The only punt return in the NFL this year, by the way, for a touchdown. Um, you had that kind of jet sweep by Grant that went for a touchdown. Outside of those two plays, this game's not close. Um, and so I still think the Bears' offense is reeling. It's nothing to be feared. I think the Vikings win this game. Yeah, I'm taking the Vikings as well. Um, Jakeem Grant is a very interesting player. He's kind of like, a, to me, feels like a light version of Cordero Patterson in the fact that he's a very, very good player. He's literally lighter, too. Yeah. <laughs> he's a very, very good player, but it's hard to get him the ball without literally scheming it up, right? Yeah. Or him receiving on a punt return, kick return, et cetera. I don't expect him to score multiple touchdowns again this week. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't expect Allen Robinson to come out of the woodwork and have the best game of the season. The one thing I'm fearful of is David Montgomery going over 100-plus, potentially being able to control the clock in that way, scoring maybe a couple touchdowns, something like that. That's the Bears' route to victory. I don't think that's going to happen either. I'm taking the Vikings in this one. I'm very confident in it, despite the fact that there's a lot of things that would kind of argue that – the Vikings are in a tough position in this matchup. Soldier Field, primetime matchup, et cetera, et cetera. Justin Fields. I still think the Vikings are able to get this one done. I think that they have the they're more, the more urgent team. They're the better coach team, and they have the better quarterback. Those three things to me are the recipe for victory outside of playing at home versus playing away. You got one knock there. I think the Vikings get this one done. I don't think I think it's going to be closer than we would all like it for it to be. You know, something like a 24 to 17 or something like that where the Bears theoretically still have a chance at the end of the game. But I think the Vikings get this one done. They move back to 500 and you know, we'll get into this later on in the picks here, but they could very easily be right back into the postseason. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it wouldn't be a Vikings game um, you know, without a you know, last minute sweat. So I'm imagining it'll still be that, but I like the Vikings. Yeah. All right. So we'll both are rolling with the Vikings and for what it's worth, we've actually been really good with our Vikings picks this entire season. Me personally, I've only missed the one in the uh, Detroit matchup, which let's be real here. Like, That's actually nuts that you've, that you've picked all of them. I mean, nobody picked that one, right? I mean, nobody's no. going to. And the Cincinnati one too. So. Cincinnati one as well. I forgot about okay. that one. So those two I've missed, but um, in as a whole, this podcast has done very well predicting specific Vikings games. That doesn't necessarily mean predicting Vikings victories. It's predicting the outcome of Vikings games, right? We did pick Arizona. We picked, you know, Cleveland, et cetera. So anyways, moving forward here, both of us rolling with Minnesota. We think we're going to get it done. Let's look at the rest of the NFL, starting with Thursday night football. And that is the Kansas city chiefs against the Los Angeles chargers. This should be a very, very fun matchup. Also kind of a good benchmark to see where the chargers are at in terms of where they're, how good they are relative to the rest of the league. You said this the last couple of weeks. Kansas City is chugging defensively. They're playing mm-hmm. good offense, but their defense has really been carrying them. They scored a touchdown in the first play of the game last week, and they ended up putting up, what was it, 48 unanswered yep. or something stupid like that. Uh, this is a good benchmark for the Chargers. Are they able to get it done? They are playing at home against their division rival. Uh, this is the ASC West title game to me because you look at the Chargers' schedule. They play the Chiefs this week. That if they win, that's nine and five, tied with the Chiefs, and they would have the tiebreaker. Uh, then they have Houston, Denver, Las Vegas, and I think they win all three of those games. So um, I uh, think this is for the title. I'm going to roll the Chiefs though, and I'd, I'd say that because of that the way that defense is playing. They've shut down a couple of really good offenses uh, during this stretch. It's not just that they're playing the Giants um, or that they're playing, you know, these 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 
bad teams. Um, they shut down Dallas a couple weeks ago, which is really impressive. Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs here. I think it's going to be a really fun game, though, and I'm excited to see if the Chargers can you know, c- keep up and make it a kind of a shootout type. Yeah, I'm going to take Kansas City as well. Um, I'm rooting for the Chargers in this one. I love the way they play football. I just wish Justin Herbert could be a little bit more consistent. That's really the difference in this one is that you get the kind of outside of Tom Holmes Brady. Holmes has not been consistent, though, uh, this year either, so – but he's as far as you know. If you're going to pick a guy to go out there and throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns, who oh yeah, well, and, and then for the division, more more or less for the exactly. division, you know, there's one guy you clearly want over the other in this one. So absolutely, and that's why this is such an important game is because if Justin Herbert's able to go out and play like Justin Herbert can, I mean, it says a lot, right? This is a huge matchup for them, huge matchup for their fan base. I'm rolling with Kansas City because it's a safe pick, but I'm not rolling out. I'm not ruling out that if the Chargers show up and play to the best of their ability, they can easily win this matchup. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. all right, Kansas City for both of us. Next one here is Las Vegas and Cleveland. Cleveland now right back in it. They beat Baltimore last week. Uh, they can feel the team. They're anyway. winning ugly, yeah. Um, and no they're Baker. playing against <laughs> they're playing against Las Vegas, who is I don't I, I am so confused at who Las Vegas is at this point. I don't know if they're a good team. I don't know if they're a bad. Team. Hunter Renfro is good. They got that going for them. They definitely have that. And Derek Carr, by the way, is second in the league in passing yards. Did not see that one. Uh, Tom Brady's I did, first, I did see way. a rumor on Twitter today. This again, this this might be a waste of ten seconds, but I did see that they're there. The Raiders are thinking about uh, getting Mariota in there to get a look at him and benching Carr, which would be interesting here. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Browns here. Um, I think, despite all the COVID issues, despite not having a Baker. I think the Browns are going to be better set up to win this game. I think the Raiders are just running out of gas here. Yeah, I'm taking Cleveland as well. I just have – I hate both these teams in terms of game picks, right? Um, so it's a toss-up. I'll take Cleveland. They got – I think, you know, they play better defensively. Mm-hmm. They've got the better running game. The running backs are all supposed to be healthy at this point. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dernis Johnson, doesn't really matter. They run the ball as well as anyone in the NFL, and I think they'll be able to run the ball against the, against the uh, Raiders here this week. So I'll take Cleveland. Next one here. This one should be a lot of fun as well. Honestly, this is a pretty damn good slate of games across the board. You got New England at Indianapolis. New England has all of a sudden became the power in the AFC once again. They have the top Super Bowl odds from their conference. Indianapolis is one of the hottest teams in the NFL. I think their only loss in the last, what, six weeks was by three points. Jonathan Taylor has basically taken over from where Derrick Henry has left off. I think he's now up to like 18 touchdowns or something ridiculous like that. He's having a hell of a season running the football and making a name for himself. The way that they play defensively, too, I think they can slow down Mac Jones. This becomes kind of can Bill Belichick do it once again and do some work, some weird magic, some weird voodoo like he did last week where mm-hmm. he had Mac Jones do three passes and still beat the Buffalo Bills or well, that was two weeks ago. Sorry. Uh, but who gets it done in this one? I'm, I pick an indie um, and I say this because I look back at the Patriots um, kind of their schedule and I, I just think the Colts are more physical and more dominant in the trenches on both sides than any of these teams that they've beaten during their streak. Um, the Browns might be the one team that you could kind of argue is up there with the Colts in terms of in the trenches play mm-hmm. um, that the Patriots have beat here, but Buffalo, no Tennessee, no Atlanta. Uh, then the Browns and Carolina, um, the chargers, the jets, like it, th- those are the teams they've beaten during this, this streak. And I think the Colts are just a little bit more, more mean, more physical, uh, uh, in the trenches. And so I'm going to go with the Colts for that reason. I think that's going to be a little bit different than the Patriots are used to. 
Yeah, I'm going to take Indianapolis, and I co-sign everything Drew said. There's no reason for me to regurgitate it. That's exactly where I'm at as well. They can run the football very, very well because they win the ball. They win the game in the trenches offensively, and then DeForest Buckner and co. on defense, outstanding. So I'm going to take Indianapolis too. Uh, I think it's that feels like an upset, but I think Vegas actually has Indianapolis as the favorite here. So mm-hmm. um, next one here, Carolina at Buffalo. Buffalo, of course, came all the way back against Tampa Bay last week, only to fall short due to a Brashad Perriman touchdown. Yeah. How about that? Uh, how about that? I'm going, I'm going Buffalo at the Panthers are just, they're, they're bad now. They're, they're pretty bad. I mean, I, I have no idea who would even play quarterback this week. Cause they went to keep flip-flopping between Cam Newton and PJ Walker now. And then Sam Darnold was activated off IR. So I have no idea what they're doing, but mm-hmm. uh, I think the bills is a very safe pick. Yeah. I'm taking Buffalo too. I think that Carolina is becoming one of those teams that we just don't talk about. Right. You know, when we yeah. get to a matchup, Buffalo's still overwhelming. Well, there's a lot of those matchups team. this week, by the way. <laughs> yeah, there's a few of them. This next one that we're going to talk about uh, definitely falls in that category. Uh, Buffalo, for sure, for both of us here moving forward to Arizona at Detroit. I don't think yep, we need Arizona. to talk about that one. Uh, Arizona locked that one in. Yep. Next one is I hesitate because this is, could very well be in the same category in the New York Jets against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, it's in that same kind of category, but Miami – you know, what was it? Seven weeks ago was a very bad team. All of a sudden they look like a really good team. The jets have gotten better. It is a division matchup. Where are you at on this one? I'm going with Miami here. Uh, the jets just, I, I, Zach Wilson doesn't seem to have it yet. So yeah. I think dolphins are going to roll here. Yeah. I'm taking Miami as well. I think I take the spread on that one too. I think that the jets are just in general, they're just a lot more likely to lose games than Miami is right now with the way that they play. They play like the safest football in the NFL with the way the Tua Tua has been throwing it. Miami seems very, I I feel very confident in that one, which of course Mm -hmm. means the Jets are going to win, but it is what it is. All right. Next one here is the NFC East matchup in the New York Giants playing at home against the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys coming off of a win where they kind of slinked away. Dak Prescott, apparently, according to Jerry Jones, is in a bit of a slump. Uh, The Giants still... Yeah, he is. Uh, the Giants, of course, are – I don't know who they're going to throw out there at quarterback, whether it's Daniel Jones, Mike Lennon, Jake Fromm, whoever. Um, I think it's pretty confidently a pick for the Cowboys here, but is there anything else to say on that one? No, I'm going Dallas here. Uh, I don't think the Giants are uh, – they can make it close. I, w- I don't know about the spread, but I would, I'm taking Cowboys to win this game. Yeah, Dallas is not playing their best football, but they don't need to play their best football to beat the Giants in their current state. Mm-hmm. So I'm rolling with Dallas as well. Now, this next one here is kind of where it gets interesting for your Minnesota Vikings, and that is the Washington football team playing on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Philadelphia Eagles are a team where I they can give you a lot of what the Vikings do, right, in the sense that they can compete with just about anyone, but they can literally get run out of the stadium, a lot more so than the Vikings, by anyone in the NFL. It does not matter if it's the Lions, mm-hmm. the Patriots, the Cardinals, the Packers, whoever. You don't know what Philadelphia Eagles team you're going to get every week, but this is a crucial one for your Vikings, of course. If Washington loses and the Vikings beat the Bears, as we have suggested that they might, Vikings are right back in that number seven yep. seed slot. So who you got in this one? Uh, I'm going to go Philly, uh, but I would take Washington against the spread, which is seven points right now um, because it doesn't, I, I think Jalen Hurts' status is still up in the air. I'm going to go Philly regardless if it's Gardner or Jalen, uh, but I think Philly is just more well-rounded right now. And I trust Gardner or Jalen uh, more than Heineke right now. So that's what I was going to say is that I think we might be coming to the end of Taylor Heineke. Um, it's been fun, but he's looked brutal. Last week was tough. 
these looked very, very bad. Um, and the kind of the gunslinger thing only gets you so far, right? Like if, if all of them turn into interceptions and it's not a 60, 40 ball anymore, and it becomes more of a 30, 70 ball, you got problems. So I'm hesitant with, with Taylor Heineke right now. I don't necessarily believe he's a playoff quarterback at this point, And I don't necessarily believe he can turn it around either. The other thing that I want to note is what you were saying with Jalen hurts versus Gardner Minshew. I think that Gardner Minshew actually gives you more balance, right? Like in terms of like, when you the reason why Philadelphia is this team where one week they can allow 38 points and lose by 20 and one week they can win by 25 and score 40 it's Jalen Hurts like he's the reason like he is the guy who is all over the map so if Minshew's in there I actually feel more confident because I think that you gives you more balance offensively like he's just a he's a less erratic player yeah but he's also you know He's an erratic personality, but his play style is kind of the opposite of Jalen. Jalen's a more, you know, conservative personality, but the play. Yeah, that's a good uh, kind of, uh, you know, analogy that you made there. But I agree with everything you're saying. I just I I think Philly's going to win it, which actually it makes it interesting then because we're we shouldn't dismiss Philly from the wildcard race. Like they're right in it, too. So they would be seven to seven with a win as well. Yep. Vikings would have the tiebreaker in that example, by the way, at, at current status right now, the Vikings are in the eight seed and I believe Philadelphia mm-hmm. is actually the nine seed and the Vikings have a conference record or something different. Yep. Um, I know Atlanta's in there too. So, mm-hmm. all right. So Philly for both of us, next one here is Tennessee at Pittsburgh. I think this one looks really bad on paper for Pittsburgh, right? We just saw what the Vikings were able to do running the football. What does Tennessee like to do more than anything else? Doesn't matter if it's Derrick Henry, Deontay Foreman, uh, Jeremy McNichols, whoever. They love to run the football. I think this one looks bad. Yeah, and I also Tennessee rushes the passer really well. Um, so I'm going to go with the Titans because of that. And it's funny how much the Titans are just scrambling for wins because I think they last I checked, they had like 34 players on IR or something like that. Um, and if they can s- secure that ASU South, which I know – you know, they, they haven't yet. And the Colts are playing well, if they can secure the ASU South and then get Henry back for home games, I think that would be huge. Absolutely. I, I think Tennessee wins this one. I think that this is one of those Aaron Rodgers matchups, right? With that analogy that he used where sometimes there's, there's, there's some teams that you just straight up don't match up well against that's Pittsburgh for Tennessee. Like Tennessee is just, they're, they're a nightmare for what Pittsburgh tries to do. Um, or excuse me. Yeah. Anyways, moving forward, I am moving here with Tennessee. Drew's moving with Tennessee. That brings us to a very important matchup for one person and one person alone, and that guy is Urban Meyer. This is the Houston at Jacksonville game. To I me, really want to pick this as a tie. Like, I want to pick a tie. Um, I'm almost like I, I I will seek out the odds uh, of a game to end in a tie, and I would I will be betting it to, F to finish in a tie because this seems like the most tie game ever that, like, 18 to 18 or something like that. Um, nine to I nine. think I, I'll go with the Texans um, just because I do think Davis Mills played pretty well last week. Um, and I also just can't see the Jags responding well to everything that's going on with Urban. Okay. I don't think the Jags want to respond well to everything that's going on with Urban. Right. I think that they're done. Right. And I think this is a fire your coach game because if you lose to the second worst team, maybe the third worst team in the NFL. It's somewhere in there. Detroit, Houston, Jacksonville are the top three shitty teams in the NFL right now. 
different reasons for being terrible. Of course, Detroit doesn't have the roster. Houston doesn't really have the roster. They also are in cap hell, new coach, etc. Jacksonville has talent, but just the worst coaching situation. All of these things that are surrounding with Josh Lambeau right now. Apparently, Urban went up and kicked him during practice. You got the things that went on earlier this year. Like It is a nightmare for Shad Khan down in Jacksonville. To me, if you lose to Houston, which is in your mind, the third or the second worst team because you believe you're the third worst team in Jacksonville. <laughs> if you lose to Houston, Shad Khan's going to stand home. up and be like, yeah, he's going to stand up and be like, that's it. I've had enough of not winning. I've had enough of the press. I've had enough of all of it. Stop it. Fired with cause. You're out, Urban Meyer. And to me, I'm going to take Houston because I want to see it. I'm tired of Urban Meyer too. This guy sucks as a person and he sucks as a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I appreciate the content though. <laughs> that he is that he is giving us it's so great you're, you're right, like man. i don't like i don't know if i necessarily buy everything that's being thrown out there like the 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 kick that lambo is accusing could be a stretch to the truth a little bit and some of the words that he were was oddly specific about it though like, he was but there's like you know the marvin jones spat has been kind of um what about the know, james robinson thing like yeah i mean there's I, i'm not saying it's all wrong or that you know there's none of it's true it's just like some of it th- it's it's gaining momentum now where more and more stuff is being leaked and and i i, I wouldn't i'm not gonna say believe all of it but i would say believe like 75 percent of it uh, but either way it's great to to see the discourse on twitter every single day of something new in the urban meyer fiasco honestly it doesn't even matter if all of it's not true if 50 percent of it's true that's terrible and well yeah 100 percent if yeah, the I, players I the players that are on the field believe 100%. Right. Well, and I, I think there's hundred percent truth to the fact that the players don't like him. Don't want him to be coaching. Right. And Trevor, Trevor Lawrence is being actually, we should appreciate the way he's handling all of this because you know, he is basically it, it, what this is, is a waste of a year for him and his development, uh, a complete waste. Uh, so I don't know. I, if I, you know, if I uh, am able to work it out, you know, uh, my, college classmate Ben Barch I'd have to have a conversation with him sometime and ask him what he really thinks of the whole situation off the record uh, I'd be very curious to see what he says <laughs> pretty hilarious all right so that has been Houston versus Jacksonville I didn't think we'd talk about it that much but you're right Urban Meyer provides a lot of free content mm-hmm. all right next one here Cincinnati at Denver uh, could be an interesting one Denver of course playing very well defensively Joe Burrow on the flip side of this playing very good football despite a loss last week. Um, I think Cincinnati is right in the thick of it here. That AFC North division is kind of right up in the air with the high ankle sprain to Lamar Jackson, his status being up in the air this week. Steelers, you know, don't really know who they are. Cleveland did enough damage to themselves early in the season where the winning streak currently is still not really enough. Cincinnati's right in it for that division title, but they got to get a win on the road at mile high, which is one of the most difficult places to play physically speaking in the NFL. Yeah, I think this is a huge game for both teams. Uh, it might be one where the loser is done for the playoffs, actually. Uh, I'm going to go Cincy. I just think I like Joey B, and I like the guts he plays with. So that's the that's the reason I'm picking Burrow here and the Bengals. Yeah, I'm going to take Cincinnati as well for the exact same reason. Uh, I, I, I say it every week, basically. I love Joe Burrow. I love the way that he's thrown it. T. Higgins, man. I mean, it's not just Jamar Chase. 
like T Higgins has been awesome as well. He's got two legitimate, you know, one a one B targets there. Um, and Joe Mixon, by the way, is I believe actually number two in rushing in the NFL behind Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor and ahead of Dalvin cook. He's over he's one of the two players over a thousand yards to this point in the season. So they're doing a lot of things right offensively. It's a, it's a good clash of like, you know, a team that is not great defensively in Cincinnati, but plays great offense and a team that does not play great offense, at least on a consistent basis in Denver, but plays very good defense. Mm-hmm. And that's actually gotten better since Von Miller left, oddly enough. Um, it's an interesting matchup, but I'm going to take Cincinnati in this one as well. All right. Last couple here. We got about four left on the docket because there are no bye weeks this week. Atlanta and San Francisco. This is important for that NFC playoffs picture. San Francisco has established themselves as kind of the favorite to be that number five seed um, in the six seed. Six seed, excuse me. Um, Atlanta on the outside looking in, kind of like your Minnesota Vikings. Uh, They need this one. Who gets this one done? I think San Francisco just kills them um, in this game. I, 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 they are rolling right now. Um, and I, I think, so the, the thing about Atlanta, they're six and seven, but they have a point differential this year, minus one Oh eight, which is just in like, it's, I, I, I don't understand it. So when they lose, they lose big. I think this is one of their big losses. Yeah. I, I kind of connect Atlanta season to remember the year where the Vikings had the Percy Harvard offense and that was electric to watch. Like we mm-hmm. had a lot of fun. What was the record that, that year? Didn't they go like six and ten or seven and nine or something? Uh, like is it twenty eleven with Ponder? Yeah, went like six. Yeah, and 10, that would have no. They like they won like four games that year. Three oh, games it was four games. Year. Okay, so yeah, um, I kind of think Atlanta is overachieving right now, and they're yeah. doomed to come back down to earth. And you know, a good team that does a lot yeah, of things well schematically. There, that's kind of the 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 poison that they don't want to have at this point. I think San Francisco is going to end their season, theoretically speaking, um, with this matchup here. So I'm ruling San Francisco as well. Next one here is Seattle and the Los Angeles Rams division matchup. Seattle still has Russell Wilson, but I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about here. I think Los Angeles looks like the NFC power right now. Yeah. Speaking of seasons being ended, Seattle is going to be eliminated. Uh, The Rams, that's quite a showing against Arizona. And I think that, we can kind of, best players. you know, there's, it looks like they might be starting to peak at a pretty good time here. Yep. It doesn't really matter, you know, if, when you figure it out, so long as you do figure it out. And I think mm-hmm. Los Angeles is getting to that point where, you know, they didn't even need Jalen Ramsey last week to calm down one of the best offenses in the NFL. Yeah. Crazy to say that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to take Los Angeles too. Next one here. Uh, good matchup. If Lamar plays, Terrible matchup if Lamar doesn't play, and that is Green Bay at Baltimore. So if it's Tyler Huntley, see, I, I think Packer. Play. I think the Packers smoke him with or without Lamar. Um, I, 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 I don't want to say this too hot takey, but I, I think Lamar is overrated a little bit. Um, obviously, a huge threat with his feet, no doubt about that. But um, I have some questions about him as a passer, and I think the Packers are a good enough defense to stop him and keep him contained as a runner. So it would become a thing. Uh, uh, a matter of can he throw the ball and keep up with Rodgers? I just don't think there's a chance. Really, the only game that the Packers have played poorly defensively over the last, what, month and a half is against your Minnesota Vikings. They play exceptionally well in terms of getting pressures and making confident mm-hmm. physical tackles before they get, you know, after contact yardage, basically. Um, great linebackers up the middle, great pass rush, despite the fact that Zedaria Smith isn't even in there. Um, cornerbacks are coming along as well you got you know stokes your rookie and jair alexander returns as well uh yeah i think that this is a tough matchup for baltimore even if lamar does play it's a do-it-yourself matchup for him if lamar does what lamar is capable of yeah they could win this one 
I don't think he's going to, especially mm-hmm. coming off of a kind of a bum ankle, even if he does plays. This is a tough one. If I'm John Harbaugh, um, I'm probably sitting him. If if there's if it's a 50-50 for Lamar and the doctor says, like, yeah, you can play, but you might do more damage, to me, you sit him and you let Tyler Huntley get waxed, get waxed by the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Um, so I'll roll with them as well. Last one here is the Monday Night Football matchup. I think this one has the potential to be a lot of fun, but I ultimately think that it's pretty definitive one way in terms of where you'd want to put your money. Uh, New Orleans and Tampa Bay. Uh, it's an NFC South matchup, of course. Taysom Hill is going to be a quarterback. He is electric, um, erratic, inaccurate, and a hell of a rusher. And that's going to be a lot of very interesting to see against Tampa Bay's defense, specifically their front seven that is able to contain about as well as anyone in the NFL. And of course, Tom Brady's there too. So, yeah, I think this is Tampa in a route. I think, Um, I think Tampa's, I mean, the saints, they're just not that good. I don't think And Taysom's not that good of a quarterback. Um, I'm glad, you know, for Sean Payton, who, by the way, they're making a movie about him, which is uh, fun. Glorifying. Kevin James, baby. You'll love to see it. How pissed off would you be if Kevin James was cast as your <laughs> actor? Especially with the uh, ego that Sean Payton has. Like, you know he's thinking, oh, Brad Pitt would play me in a movie. Not Kevin <laughs> James. <laughs> Pretty hilarious. Glorifying Bounty Gate a little bit. I guess it remains to yeah. be seen. I, don't know. I, I hope the Saints just get pounded because of that movie. Now being, you know, the, the news coming out about that movie. I, I mean, I still hate the Saints. I will always hate the Saints. And this is just a reminder that I do hate the Saints. Um. Tom Brady's having the best season that he's had statistically in four years. By the way, I found this out the other day when I was watching the Man in the Arena series that comes out every Tuesday on ESPN+. Plus. It's awesome, by the way. Highly recommend. Um, but Tom Brady hasn't been a pro bowler in three years. He's definitely going to be one this year. He's leading the NFL in passing yardage. His, you know, his, his expected numbers are very good as well. He's connecting with Chris Godwin at a very high level. Mike Evans, I believe, is second in the NFL in receiving touchdowns. Adam Thielen, by the way, I think is third or fourth and on that list. Uh, Tampa Bay is going to route him. Uh, they're getting their you know, stuff together defensively. Mm-hmm. Vita Vea lost a tooth. <laughs> That was hilarious to watch. That was good. Um, yeah, I think this, I'm with you. I think this is going to be a route as well, but I do think it's a Monday night game worth watching because of how hilarious of football Taysom Hill plays. Mm-hmm. He's an electric guy to watch for sure. All right, that rounds out our picks here. So is there anything else that we did not touch on that we should touch um, on before we get out of here? Who is your MVP right now? You know, we've had a couple more weeks. I know we brought up the Kirk thing a few weeks ago, and then he lost to Detroit, so that's definitely not happening. But um, – that's probably us actually jinxing. Uh, you can kind of blame us for that loss, by the way. I think that's probably what happened. Um, but who's your MVP now that we have a couple more weeks of football under our belts? Uh, who do you think? Who do you got? Yeah, that's interesting because we would consider this to be kind of the home stretch in any other season, but because there's 17 games and 18 total weeks, we've actually got four games remaining. So it doesn't necessarily feel like the season's coming to an end when really it is. Uh, you know, I think there's a couple of candidates here. Obviously, the first thing you have to look at for MVP is you just have to look at like which teams are at the top, right? Like yeah. Which teams are at the top? So Arizona, of course, they just lost to Los Angeles and Kyler Murray's missed what three straight games that effectively eliminates him from the MVP conversation. You look at what the Rams are doing. I mean, Matthew Stafford has been awesome, statistically awesome. I mean, he's right up there in total numbers. That team is winning, but they're not winning their own division or they're tied for their division right now. So that's kind of still up in the air, but I think that his name has to be thrown out there. Tom Brady, of course. I mean, his name's going to be in it. He's statistically they're winning, et cetera. Um, but I, I'm kind of with, I know who you're going to say. Yeah. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you because ultimately all the roads lead back to Aaron Rodgers. I know that he's not going to get the votes. 
he's not going to get the votes, but he should, and he sh- he should be the back to back MVP at this point. His t- I mean, who I, else would I, it be? I think, honestly, I think if it was me, whichever quarterback is uh, leading the NFC should get it. And where does at Cooper this point it's pa- it's in all of this? Where does what Cooper Cup? He's going to break a number of records at his current pacing. Yeah. And- he um, is literally a difference maker for that offense because he touches the ball between 10 and 15 times just, every I, single week. I, He's I, like I'm a just, running I'm back. A big, I'm just a big quarterback. has to be the MVP. Uh, that's just the way the, the NFL is now. Um, although, if there's an offensive player of the year award or something like that, that's where Cooper, or Cooper Cup can get involved and, and he could be that guy. Um, same with Jonathan Taylor. Same thing. Um, but, yeah, give me, give me Rodgers right now or Brady. I guess to me it's whoever wins the NFC because in the AFC, I don't see a viable candidate quarterback right now. I, I think you're the, the slow start and Mahomes has really just not been himself. Right. Uh, Mac Jones isn't quite there as an MVP candidate, the way the team's well-rounded. So no, nah, I think it's Brady or Rogers right now. So it depends on the outcome of that game that we talked about earlier, the chargers chiefs matchup. If whoever wins that one vaults themselves to probably two or three, in this conversation. So it's yeah, I think Rogers, so. Rogers, Brady, Stafford, and then the winner of that matchup between Mahomes and Herbert, whoever of those, I think two, that's those are your, probably your top four. And then to me, you round out the top five with the guy who's not going to win, but deserves to be considered because of the level of play. And that's Cooper cup. So to me, that's your top five is okay. the winner of that match. I never even in, thought about Cooper cup, but I, I don't, I don't hate it. I like it more. I think he's got a than, cool argument. I really I do. like it. I like it more than uh, Jonathan Taylor, but I think you're right because I mean, how much we heard that talk about Stafford and Cooper Cup and how much they like each other and they're hanging out and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think there's something to that, too, by the way. Like, I think that that part of the narrative is important. Matthew Stafford comes over from Detroit, new new system. What's consistent for the Los Angeles Rams over the past two years? What has changed? Robert Woods goes out. Stafford is the change. Cooper Cup being consistent throughout this season. I mean, he's literally, I think he's two, he has three weeks under 100 yards or without a touchdown, one of the two. I mean, Matthew Stafford's having the best season of his life. He's looking – he's he's challenging Calvin Johnson's numbers. So yeah, No, I, I – I think I, he's I'm got a cool case. You. Yeah. I don't I, – ultimately, you're right. Like, it's a quarterback award, whatever. But I do think it's one of the more intriguing – there was a best, best non-quarterback player in the NFC, you know, for an – off on the offensive side of the ball, yeah. it's definitely – Well, he's going to win Offensive Player of the Year almost for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that it's worth – considering his candidacy because of the the mitigating factors that he does have so interesting topic to round us out here uh by the way Kirk Cousins completely out of that discussion now well yeah destroyed so you don't um, lose to Detroit and you stay on that no no it was it was was, it's almost it's a ball don't lie situation for us to even bring it up probably um the way we did or the way I did um it was it was fun to think about the time but that's definitely a jinx on our part I think (laughs) I think the Vikings are just kind of inherently jinxed, though. It is what it is. All right. Anything else, or are we done with this one? I think we're done. (laughs) I love it. All right, then. Well, folks, I appreciate you listening. Um, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your podcast. If you prefer to watch this show, you may see us on YouTube. We're available there. You can drop us a line in the comment section. I always check that stuff out. Uh, make sure to check out the rest of the Climb in the Pocket Network shows throughout the week, Monday through Friday, live and recorded. A lot of different personalities, a lot of different guys working together in different ways. A lot of cool stuff within there, so make sure to check out the Climb in the Pocket. And lastly, of course, make sure to check out for all of your blogging needs, Daily Norseman. 
Uh, that's where you can find this podcast posted every Tuesday and Thursday, or I should say most Tuesdays and Thursdays, rather, um, as well as a number of other great blog content, written content, long form, short form, news articles, etc. Uh, they got it all at the Daily Norseman. So thank you folks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week.